You're listening to The Myth Pilgrim, and I am Brother Lawrence of the Missionaries of God's Love. At its heart, the spiritual journey is a delightful and perilous adventure, just like the myths and fairy tales we love. This podcast is also a journey, learning from both wizards and saints, enchanted princesses and inner demons. Together, we'll discover how the great symbols of myth and fairy tale can guide us on our journey to God. Hey everybody and welcome to today's episode of The Myth Pilgrim. Uh, great to have your company as usual and wherever you are listening from, I hope you are keeping well. Uh, today is a coming together, a merging of um, two great loves of mine. One is of the world of myth and fairy tale and legends and the other one is of Our Lady, Mother Mary. Uh, most suitable because today, well, this episode when it's released, will be released in October 2021, which is the month of the Rosary. So it's very fitting that the Myth Pilgrim does something on that. Um, so as you probably saw from the title, this will be an exploration of legendary weapons and the humble Rosary. Hmm. What do I first mean by legendary weapons? Well, I mean any of those weapons that the hero uh, must attain or seeks to obtain uh, in order for him to complete, fulfill his quest or fulfill his identity as the protagonist, as the hero, as the saviour, as the one, whatever it is, you know. Think of Excalibur, you know, like the great uh, King Arthur, the, the, the sword, the, the one that represents true honour and virtue and that no other person could pull out of the stone except the one true king, the one who was humble and the one who was subservient to it. You know, all these other big blokes from all around the kingdom tried to pull it out, but they couldn't because only Arthur was destined to hold and wield Excalibur as the king of Camelot. Think of Mjolnir. He's like, what? <laughs> Mjolnir is the, is, is the uh, proper name uh, of Thor's hammer. You know, that, you know, the Marvel kind of flicks have made really popular. It's the weapon that, it's like a boomerang, you know, he casts it, throws it against his enemy. It's, it's, it's indestructible and it always comes back to him. You know, um, then there's... I've got a nerdy list here. <laughs> think of the Master Sword. Those of you who know and love The Legend of Zelda all the way back from the 80s, I think the first game came out. The Master Sword is like, you know, Link has to obtain it in order to defeat Ganon. And it's always been there, you know, since the 80s. But even recently, the Breath of the Wild, the sword is often depicted and seen as having chosen its master by its own will. And it's kind of the only sword that can repel evil and defeat Ganon. Um, what else have we got? Then we've got Anduriel from the Lord of the Rings, you know, the, the blade that was reforged from the shards of Narsil, the Aragorn. Ultimately, his kingness, his kingliness for himself and also for um, rallying the, the people of Middle-earth, including those ghost people. <laughs> um, yeah, it was only when he wielded the sword and indicated, this is my identity, I am the heir of Isildur and I have the authority and power of the king. To, to call upon your allegiance to fight. So Aragorn, um, in this case, again, the sword sought after him, you know, with uh, Elrond's help and, and the, the elves reforging it. Of course, then there's the lightsaber, you know. <laughs> How can we ignore this? I mean, there's no one lightsaber that Jedi's have to find, but in the old Star Wars, in the, in the, in the original kind of series, the lightsaber could only really be wielded by a Jedi because it's, it's too unruly, it's too dangerous, and it's too much drag to actually for any other person. They can switch it on and off, but to actually wield it requires the dedication, the balance um, of the Force, and the discipline to wield this ancient, beautiful weapon. Um, I mean, this sword has it, it's so much symbolism behind the fact that it's a, it's a blade made of light, which we'll cover later when we explore the rosary a little bit more. Okay, why am I telling you all this? Ultimately, it's to say this, that despite how cool and inspiring and, you know, um, wondrous these great legendary weapons are, 
they are nothing. They fade in comparison with the power and the legendariness of the Holy Humble Rosary. The Rosary has proven historically time and time again um, through events in history, but also through the great saints and the great popes who have written and testified about the Rosary that it can and has the power to to destroy evil strongholds, to, to ward away the enemy, um, and to draw a person closer and closer to Christ, which of course is the ultimate defence and attack against the kingdom of darkness. And of course the Rosary is real. I love the detail that Father Don Calloway draws attention to, that the, the Rosary for for religious orders that actually wear a rosary around their belt, like around their habit, I, say that, I think the Franciscans classically, it's worn on the left side, um, traditionally in the spot where a knight wears his sword hanging from his belt, because uh, St. Dominic and Francis, they recognised again that this was a lethal weapon against the enemy. Now, at this point, I just wanted to clarify that I don't want to weaponize the rosary as if it's a weapon, you know, like for violence and for offence and stuff. The rosary is many things, you know. In many ways, it's a, it's a beautiful prayer of the church. It draws us towards the love, mission and life of Christ through Mary in a way that's humble, uh, in a way that's accessible um, for so many people down down towards history. And so I guess I'm, I'm speaking about the rosary deliberately because we're talking about myth- mythological weapons in, in weapon terminology today. But it isn't actually my idea um, to actually denote or recognise the, the the rosary as a weapon. Um, first of all, I mentioned Don Calloway's um, famous talks and his books that speak about this this idea and gives lots of historical examples of why why this is the case. But people like, you know, saints like great men and women of the church, like Padre Pio and some of the great popes, speak about the, the rosary as a weapon. You know, there's been many stories of exorcists bringing out the rosary, just placing it on people who are being harassed by the enemy and his minions, and they flee. There's something about the, the power, the inherent simplicity and purity and humility of Our Lady and anything to do with Our Lady um, that automatically has this power. But then also on a, on a macro level, on a historical level, there's a lot of stories um, of real-life events, well-documented events, where um, invocation of Our Lady to pray the rosary has created amazing victories for Christendom and for, for mighty kings who have been outnumbered by swarms of, say, say in, the, in the, um, the Battle of Lepanto, I actually did a bit of research on this, um, I'm going to read from the World Apostolate of Fatima website about the account of what happened at the Battle of Lepanto. If you don't know what that is, it is epic. It is an epic battle that took place in the 16th century. I'll just actually read directly from the site. In the year 1571, when a battle was fought on which hung not only the destiny of Europe, but also the destiny of the Christian civilization, the Battle of Lepanto took place. This was the battle in the Gulf of Corinth, when a small Christian flotilla, which is another word for a navy, faced the overwhelming odds of a huge Muslim fleet. Pope Pius V, who encouraged the entire Catholic world at that time to say the rosary, was at the time of the battle saying the rosary with many many of the faithful in the Basilica of Santa Maria Maggiore at Rome. The prayer continued from dawn to dusk until the battle raged, and when it was over, the Muslims were overwhelmingly defeated. The Rosary had won a great military victory. The Pope instituted then the Feast of the Holy Rosary in 1571 in thanksgiving for a great victory won through the power of the Rosary, in his own words. His successor, Pope Gregory XIII, (laughs) said that we must believe in faith that the public prayers and procession of the members of the co-fraternity of the Holy Rosary were largely responsible for the great victory at Lepanto. 
So there you go, there's one example where the enemy at the gates are going to push into Rome, which is what the, 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 um, the Ottoman Empire was trying to do, was held back, even though the Christians are greatly, greatly outnumbered, both in number and in skill. Then at the top of my head, there was another story um, about um, our Lord appearing to a bishop in Nigeria. This would have only been in the, in the past century. At that time, Boko Haram, some of you may remember from the news, uh, is a violent, um, ruthless terrorist group um, in certain parts of Nigeria um, were causing havoc, was um, slaying innocent lives, villages, towns, you know, abducting um, girls for their own purposes and stuff. Um, yeah, our Lord appeared to this bishop, um, giving him a rosary, which ultimately turns into a sword, saying Boko Haram is no more, Boko Haram is no more. Um, and what the bishop understood then and there was to call for a rosary crusade um, to get everyone he could, I think in, in his particular diocese, to pray the rosary by praying incessantly the rosary that Boko Haram will fall and the stronghold of the enemy in that regard would, would collapse. And he did. In that part of Nigeria where the rosary was said, Boko Haram was miraculously almost, um, by invasion of grace, was, was uh, collapsed in that part of Nigeria. And this bishop's still alive, so you can look up his testimony and stuff. But then, of course, in the many um, Marian apparitions approved by the church, which, of which there are many, like Fatima and Lourdes and Guadalupe, Our Lady always encourages um, the visionaries to pray the rosary for the repentance of the world, for the salvation of souls. And the task is, is urgent. You know, she said to uh, Sister Lucia, so Lucia is one of the children, the three children who first um, who saw the vision of Our Lady um, at Fatima. Uh, Lucia says this, the Most Holy Virgin Mary, in these last times in which we live, has given a new efficacy to the recitation of the rosary to such an extent that there is no problem, no matter how difficult it is, whether temporal or above all spiritual, in the personal life of each of us, of our families, that cannot be solved by the rosary. There is no problem, I tell you, no matter how difficult it is, that we cannot resolve by the prayer of the Holy Rosary. Amen to that. And of course, we also know that one of the key messages that Our Lady had for not just the visionaries, but for the world when she appeared was to pray against the errors of communism that was rampant in Russia at the time. Okay, so now I want to move into more. Let's look closer at what the rosary is and begin to understand how and why the enemy fears it so much. But more, more importantly, how it actually makes those who pray it with love and reverence are incredibly holy. And to do that, I'm going to be borrowing some of our ancient mythological weapons, which is what this episode is doing. Okay. First of all is, let's look at the lightsaber. <laughs> Come back to the Star Wars. Um, the lightsaber um, is brilliant as an image because... It is a sword wielded with discipline, um, with someone who has moral, a rightful moral authority in the universe, in the galaxy far, far away. Um, it is a blade of pure light. Now, light, whether you talk mythologically or theologically, symbolizes, epitomizes truth. You know, light reveals deception and it cuts through the darkness of lies. Um, so, therefore, a blade of light is very much a, a very good image or a way of understanding how the rosary cuts through the lies of the enemy. How? Because the rosary in itself, if you think about it, like there's the construction of the rosary, you know, the, the five decades on a string. But really what it is, it's the gospel on a piece of string. It's the word of God being prayed, being being meditated on, being chewed over um, in, in, a, in a contemplative sort of way. Now, our Lord used scripture to repel the enemy very explicitly you know after his baptism he was driven by the spirit into the desert and when the enemy of enemies you know satan himself tried to tempt our lord with half truths with veiled lies 
our Lord Jesus Christ wielded the sword of the scriptures in his face and defeated all three lies by correctly quoting the context and the meaning really of scripture, of what, of what the enemy was trying, trying to distort. So in this sense, um, by praying the rosary, we are actually coming to recognize and celebrate and meditate on the truth of the gospel. For example, in the Sorrowful Mysteries, we recognize that to follow Christ will require carrying our cross, will require persecution, will require laying down our lives for others. Now, this is a truth. The enemy will try and do everything to, especially in a very kind of pleasure-saturated, you know, instant gratification world. We try and minimize that. And when those lies come, it's like, well, hang on, I'm meditating on this rosary. To follow Christ is to follow his passion. Therefore, I'm not going to listen to the lies that say it's all about my comfort, my ego, you know, being living a, a, a kind of um, charmed life. There is a cost in following Christ, and I'm going to, by, by meditating on the scriptures, by following Jesus through Gethsemane, you know, through uh, the passion, the crucifixion, and ultimately in, in the later mysteries into the resurrection, that's the truth I'm going to live by. That's the standard I'm going to follow. So can you see how the rosary, by meditating on, on one level, on, on the word of God, we are actually wielding a lightsaber. The scripture is used to unveil the lies of the enemy and to cut through those lies that are those thinking patterns that are infiltrating our lives. Okay, so that's the, that's the first sort of illustration I'll use, the lightsaber and the rosary as, as, as the means of conforming ourselves to truth itself, the word of God, Jesus Christ. If you're enjoying this episode of The Myth Pilgrim, please subscribe to it so you can stay up to date with all the latest episodes. If you'd like to be notified by email every time a new episode is released, hop onto the website at themythpilgrim.com to register. Okay, so the second feature of the rosary that I'll draw our attention to and link to those ancient mythical weapons is the fact that it is ancient, that it is stable, it's historic, it's proven to be effective uh, at what it does. And it's also, I mean, think of the, some of the greatest men in the 20th century, John Paul II, right? John XXIII I've mentioned, um, Padre Pio, and then Maximilian Kolbe, you know, who's not only was a great champion for Our, our Lady as well, starting um, co-fraternities for Our Lady almost everywhere he went, um, but also he died as a martyr and became one of the most iconic symbols of um, human love and sacrifice and during the horrors of World War II. These great men all had a great love for the rosary and they swore by it. <laughs> I mean, Pope John Paul II, I, I, I love telling this story because because it's, uh, it's so true, but it also so challenging. Um, and it certainly challenged me when I first heard it was, now he's got one of the most important, urgent, you know, life-changing missions, you know, vocations in the world when he was Pope, right? Like, you know, he was a public figure on the world stage, you know, United Nations, talking to presidents, you know, writing, responding to all the biggest issues in the world, you know, communism and Vietnam War and Cold War and everything. And yet he still found, despite his incredible busyness, and that was just on a political level, what about in the church, right? Governing the church and you're making decisions. He still made time every day to say at least one rosary, if not more than one, two or three, right? So this is a super busy man with a super urgent task, and he always made time to pray the rosary. Now, how does that reflect back on you and I? I won't dare to say what we should and shouldn't be doing and how we should pray. But it does put into perspective how much this man valued this ancient prayer um, passed on by the church and given to St. Dominic, as a tradition goes, handed to St. Dominic in the 13th century to, uh, as, a, as a means in which um, to accompany his powerful preaching, which the Dominicans and Dominic was known for, um, to against the lies and heresies of his time, to actually intercede and to ask for Our Lady's intercession to tear down some of those lies of 13th century. So, so that's when the rosary started and it just continued ever since. So, but 
obviously John Paul II, he's aware, if anyone, of the, the way the enemy and the enemy's strongholds are working in, in the 20th century. And yet he recognized the most powerful tool he had was prayer, specifically the rosary. You know, and I, I've heard stories. I mean, this is not just stories. They're actually it's documented facts. This man would wake up at like 4 a.m., right? This is like he'd, he'd have two or three hours of private morning prayer himself in the chapel, often praying for the rosaries. You know, people would say they could hear him sighing as he carries the weight and the, and the pain of the world on his shoulders, as he intercedes, implores our Lord through Our Lady um, for, for graces, for help, for, for release. You know, so, I mean, I find that incredibly inspiring. So, so again, maybe one of the reasons why the Elder Wand and Excalibur and the Master Sword and Lightsabers speak to us because they're not just the latest fad. Oh, we'll just get the latest technology, Matt. You'll be right. Yeah, you can slaughter the enemy. Just get, oh, this blacksmith here just created this blade. I don't know why I've suddenly put on an Aussie accent when I just talked about all that. But it's not about the latest, greatest uh idea fad originality is going back to the origin quoting what's his name the guy who built the sagrada familia in barcelona that great beautiful cathedral um originality is going back to the origin so the origin is of course our lord himself so if god himself through his beautiful blessed mother gave us this weapon of choice that's proven historically time and time again as you heard me say take up this mighty weapon and wield it with humility which is leading to our third reflection now on the rosary, in that the power of the rosary lies in the fact it creates in us necessarily a disposition of humility. Now, if we look at something like Excalibur, you know, from the Arthurian legends, um, those who wanted to rule, those who wanted power, could never pull out Excalibur from the stone. Only the one who was humble, who was a servant of all, uh, who was the equal of all, um, Arthur, or King Arthur ultimately, um, could pull it out. And I think there's something important again, I mean, in the Harry Potter sort of world, again, you have, you know, the, the idea that the wand chooses the wizard, um, that there's a receptivity, a, a stepping back, a, a receiving rather than grasping, which actually creates the power to puncture a hole in the kingdom of darkness. Um, because, the, I mean, just practically, the rosary. If it's a meditation on the gospel, it's meditating on a strength and example that's not our own. We're reflecting on the life of Jesus and, and some of the mysteries of Our Lady as well. We're actually following being obedient to a life that's not me. That creates in us a space for grace. It humbles ourselves and opens our hands in some way um, to the power of God that we have the authority to call down um, not because we've done anything on our own strength or merit, but because our Lord has given that authority to us when we call upon him. And the rosary is precisely a weapon whose strength does not lie in our strength, but in our saying yes to God's strength. And of course, anything to do with Mother Mary and following her example really helps us come back again to this place of humility. You know, she is the handmaid of the Lord. She is, you know, those be- the beautiful artistic image of Mary as the moon. Um, and she's content to be the moon because the moon, whose beauty and glory um, comes from reflecting the sun. The moon recognizes she doesn't have any beauty of her own, that her beauty, her glory is reflected only through the, the source of light, which is the sun. And I think that's a beautiful uh, image for us um, because it is through Our Lady's intercession and prayer and example that we actually come to 
humble ourselves before the King of Kings. And therefore, this、um, weapon of choice of Our Lady is in fact so powerful because it is so ordinary. And its ordinariness is the fact that it is a reflection and a meditation and an obedience to the life and will of God. And therefore, when we wield it, we know that the power we carry in our hands is not of the rosary itself, is not of our strength, but of our Lord Himself. So, as we near the end of this episode,、uh, traditionally,、uh, speaking of、uh, you know, tradition being something that's stable and consistent and therefore reliable,、um, I give the practical pilgrim exercise. And you're not going to be surprised that today's、um, reflection, today's invitation for you, is. To deepen in your love for this beautiful prayer of the Rosary, however that looks like in your life. For some of us, it might be、um, actually learning how to pray the Rosary. You know,、um, there's certainly guides.、Um, I'll certainly leave links、um, if you're new to the Rosary、um, on the Myth Pilgrim website and in the show notes.、Um, or if you want to deepen in your love for the Rosary,、um, I can send you. I'll also put links、uh, for some of Father Don's talks and some of the other talks、um, that can give you some or books uh, references. Um, If you wanted to explore the power of the rosary and also how to pray it reverently,、um, yeah, I'll just put as many resources as I can, I can think of, really, to help you grow in, in devotion、um, to Our Lady who points us ultimately to Christ. And, but really, just encourage everyone to,、um, yeah, really treasure this great, you know, this, this treasure, this ancient means、uh, of which we can.、Um, In which we can implore the Lord's power and protection, you know, in our personal life, in our family life, and on a, on a social level as well, as we explore today. So I thought it's a good way to to end. We'll we'll implore the prayers and intercession of Our Lady、um, to help us deepen in love with this gift that she、uh, presents to us. So we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Okay, guys, thanks for the companionship.、Uh, hopefully, today was fun, informative, inspiring, surprising in some ways as well.、Um, yeah, look forward to your company next time. Till then, journey forth, take care, and God bless.